0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to the show. My guest today is Joseph Guziak. Joseph is a friend of mine who own, who's an entrepreneur and runs his own financial brokerage and also runs his own real estate brokerage. Overall, it was an amazing conversation, and I hope everyone enjoys the show, and welcome to the show. Going. Really good. How are you? Doing well. Doing well, man. It's been a while since we last seen each other. Yeah. It's,
1: I think I popped in your office probably around February, March, and uh, early March. Boom.
0: Here we are. <laughs> yeah. And oh, what a time it's been since, <laughs> since yeah. in this new year. as Well, it's definitely been. I do remember for sure, now. Yeah. But yeah, how's it been for you? Um, I guess. Well, for people who don't know, you're in real estate, correct? Yeah. So uh, we do a couple things.
1: Um, I, I guess in my. Uh, my opinion, you can't just be in one thing is, especially with, with everything going on. You need to diversify your portfolio, but I guess the biggest thing people know me for
0: is uh, uh, we own our own brokerage, and it's one of the few things for sure. Yeah, and, and, and how is it, uh, how is well, most public places, you have to wear masks to go do anything nowadays. And I know a whole is very personal, smaller spaces, so how do you own that aspect? Um, you know, when the, you got announced
1: we started getting uh, like when the lockdown started happening started coming up i guess the invisible ones um it was it was a pretty fearful time for a lot of realtors it's a little bit more so when you own the company you have people that you're responsible for and their success and their families right so we did things a little bit differently we we adjusted our fee structure so it wouldn't be overbearing to the agents and um now we're basically all family so that was kind of neat that we were able to do that uh, a lot of people didn't know what was going on and they still kind of don't. And you know, there's senses that were able to adapt through Zoom and all that stuff, but real estate is exactly what it is, real estate. You could physically go there and touch the home and be there and see the location and do all that. So, um, end of March, I remember getting, you know, messaging my clients Thursday, Friday, thinking, let's just ask if they still even want to go ahead with it. And that weekend I lost 50 grand in commissions boom right because they just wanted to stop and they're still waiting to see what's going on right so that was a little bit interesting and um you know i was blessed that i was able to pivot and like you know, i have the license so i was able to pivot and do appointments over zoom and the financial that helped that paid the bills that did all of that and um but uh, it was definitely an interesting two months fast forward after the two months everybody that wanted to buy that wanted to sell All of a sudden there was a massive explosion into multiple offers, 10,000, 20,000 over this price, five buyers for one home. It went nuts. Like I was coming home super late, leaving the home super early. So it's like, it almost didn't happen, but then it did. So it just exploded the last two months and currently right now, so.
0: That's yes, crazy. And, it is. and first of all, I should have maybe move like, him a bit closer to okay, your face just in case it doesn't pick it up. Right on. But why do you think that she was also mentioned people were so fearful? And I think there is still a decent amount of people who are fearful. Many people unfortunately can't work or a decent amount of people cannot work because I think it's getting better. Like, things are open now, restaurants are open, certain precautions. But why do you think there has been an explosion in, in the real estate? Is it because people might have maybe got a little more freedom now and just want to? potentially be more happy i think in alberta people and it's not a good thing people when they're
1: told they can't do something they want to do it even more so they weren't able to do something now they all of a sudden want to buy but i think a big part of it is they realized very quickly and not just about their home about their relationships and their pets and everything universally their jobs all of that their lifestyles very quickly in the last couple of months is what i've been doing the entire time Or if it's something worse, am I happy to be in a home I'm at? And most people are saying no. A lot of the people that are in quarantine still are not not even owning their properties, so they're a tenant. And if they can't pay their bills, that tenant, that landlord is going to say, well, you're out. out." And I know they need some restrictions and things like that, but... It's going to ensue, it has to. So figure, well, you know what? If I'm not in the home I wanna be in and if I can't see myself being here in the next quarantine because I needed another room or I needed this and all that uncertainty caused certainty in people that we need to get the hell out of the place that we're in right now and find something. And at least if you can't pay your mortgage, you get a couple of months and then you gotta, you know, wreck your credit a bit by not paying your bills. But the bank knows that and take your home within one month of no pay, you get some extra time. And and obviously that was case. People were worried that, oh my god, how am I gonna pay my bills and and mortgage payments and things like that. I knew some sort of deferral payment was going to happen. Mm-hmm. No way would, you know, I look at both of my cars that are once financed, once leased through Toyota. I knew no way would take and repossess every single person's vehicle and every single person's home. But when you don't own it, it's different, right? So I believe physically, if you're going to be quarantined, you might as well be in the place you want to be in. So that's
0: what has spiraled everything. One of my good friends that are, are really good in real estate, they've seen the, the benefits of it as well. Yeah, well, it's good that some people are benefiting right now and businesses are going up in some sort of way. Because sure. obviously there are businesses like restaurants who, no choice of their own, but had to shut down because they can not physically be around people anymore. And, and this quarantine definitely has uh, you know, for myself personally, maybe rethink my life and maybe take a look at what happened. And if, am I happy? And and obviously, starting this podcast is one of the things I decide to do. And and also, eventually, potentially, I want to go hunting or learn how to hunt because of things that I witnessed um, going to the grocery stores during the game lockdown, going by like one package of meat per. And, and I might go, well, if that ever happens again, if we don't change our, our food system, how we grow. Well, I don't want to be left without any food, so definitely more conscious of what do I actually know, do. I know how actually gather food, and so what's the- I think we're listening to the same Joe Rogan podcast. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, well, I, I felt the
1: same way actually. I was looking at uh, thinking to myself, and uh, it was painful. And, and, and you know, my mom is 69 parents, and, 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 and this is different. This isn't something that we've experienced, so when you have a 69 immigrant. thing. This is this is different, and what you could buy when shopping. Um, I should. Learn. I think everybody became a professional gardener and landscaper this year, including myself. Right? Yeah. My tomatoes are painful. I'm gonna call it a first year fail, but. Yeah.
0: <laughs> they start summer for sure, yeah. and yeah, 100. Even it is crazy. I wish my grandmother still left because um, she was actually from Ukraine and to Poland, and she was uh, during a famine, but she was on the West of Ukraine, but she was captured by Germans during the war. Mm-hmm. And I wish she was alive because then I would love to get her perspective on things. Because like, um, her being taught by Germans versus being locked down, home, I wonder what she would have felt yeah. it was similar or different. So, yeah. How do you How would you get to real estate? First of all, because because I know, I know in real um, my knowledge and the the history. I know when it first began, or at least before the '80s, you had to be full time. Mm-hmm. And now it's obviously uh, almost a career almost tried just for the hell of it almost it seems like and so first start and do you think you could have started if it was a full-time career versus
1: part-time so i think people there's a match of real estate is versus what real estate actually is and uh, myself, you know, by then there was a really popular show, Million Dollar Listing in New York and all that. All these oh, rich rights, guys rights, Yeah, rights. All, like all of those guys. So this was talking about like 12 plus years ago, right? And like, wow, man, those guys, they're terrible actors on TV and they, they got really joking. I think I can do it, right? And yeah. at the time I was a waiter at a restaurant and, um, my there was a guy that kept popping up which now was basically my, my best friend and we owned the bro but he would pop in all the time and he was just always in the nicest nicest cars <laughs> could be nine o'clock at night closing but he was always meeting people i'm like dude what do you do he's like oh i'm a realtor and i didn't get into it right and i took him up on his offer i started doing the training i was working a full-time job and the entire time i was there people were telling me i was 21 when i started i got my license uh, basically, I turned 22 and I got my license the next day, it's helping, but the entire time I was doing it, people were saying you're too young. Back then, I couldn't grow facial hair to save, <laughs> to save my life, right? I you know, was baby face to the maximum. Uh, I wore jeans and sorry people wear that on the podcast, I got rid of all of those to charity. I painful buying 500 pounds pants and on a credit point percent, right? Just I remember going through studying struggling making you know $20 an hour at the restaurant making like, uh, I didn't have a very good three colored car at that point with one working headlight and I started doubting myself if I could and people were doubting me I remember the people in the room saying don't go into real estate salesperson. you're not going to do well it's comfortable here it's easy here you're guaranteed your are guaranteed your work it's fun here like these are my friends telling me this right and uh, for those locations are not close Right, so 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 much for guarantees and safety. Yeah, and And, uh, two years, people can start a business, and you're supposed to be successful, and they start all these other businesses online. It's a scam because I'm not making money. It took four months to get a paycheck full time in real estate, and then I gave half to my broker, Uh, so I made about three grand. Then I sold another home, and I had to give half to my broker, so I made about two grand on that one. I would say first twenty some dollars a year uh, for that, and then the next year I doubled it with forty goals, my, yeah. my credit income I was making, right? And I kept going and kept persevering and I kept selling cars on the side just to increase my income. And I remember in 2012, I was doing insurances and I wasn't making money in enough uh, doing both. I took a full-time job, so I was working, I'd be doing insurance, real estate in the evenings and weekends. For four months, I, I committed myself to, in four months, I'm going to, or I'm going to keep going. And I basically worked seven days a week for four months straight. And if you weren't buying a photocopier, insurance, insurance, and printers for me, you, uh, you weren't talking to me. Like that's it.
0: And what, uh, what made you I guess, want that so bad or want, want like to do? Because obviously you mentioned you spending a little bit uh, more than you before, but mm-hmm. like, cause a lot of people, a lot of people would have just stayed, yeah. I won't say a lot, but I'll say obviously there is a percentage of people who would have yeah. stayed in the wait and being a waiter and. And I know even myself, study fitness sometimes go up and down, but what makes you what made you keep going? Was it like something you maybe truly wanted to do like to enjoy it as well? Or healthy, the maybe income potential or um, I'm enjoying it actually
1: every day was a battle of whether I wanted to quit or lose. But if I quit I succeeded, then I would be proving that people were right that mattered to me the most of my life, right? So my mom and my closest friends that weren't talking crap behind my back. Um, Funny enough, those guys are still my clients now and I love them, which is ironic how that happens, right? You got to prove yourself to yourself and to the people mm-hmm. around you. Um, I guess growing up, we've always had this mentality, right? My mom raised four of us. I had a sometime father. Um, if, if it, And it's a podcast where he talked about his father and I, I completely identified to him you know, at least if a father leaves and leaves and that's it. But mine kept coming back and forth. Like there was always a hope, that right? So so there's always a scarcity mentality and got to the point where I actually, this podcast inspired me to go back to where I grew up. Now there's a train that runs through it. The LRT runs through it uh, downtown and it was an apartment, bedroom apartment. It was me and my mom shared a bed together in the living room. Until how many years old? I think until seven. Uh, My brother had his own room and my two sisters shared a room. And there was one bathroom right basically yeah. so i remember always being broke and just my parents my, my, my dad around sometimes my mom uh working everything welfare basically right and the 200 dollar child support a month i think that she got from my dad and, um i just always remembered if i don't that is my turn. that's the future I have for my children at that point then i don't want to have children because i don't want them to go through the hell that i went through right all the fun stuff out there is, stuff you know, that's just monetary. After I got them, I very quickly realized that I didn't want them. I just stupidly want them, right? But I just knew that I wanted to go back to that point. And then if I can become good and I can teach other people how to be good, like we got some good insurance guys and we got some very good real estate guys on the team as well too, uh, guys, the whatever, um, that if I can help them maybe speed up the process of the crap that I was going through yeah. and avoid some of it, you, you can't always avoid it, but avoid some of that at least, they can get to where I was at quicker, right? So it wasn't so much for me wanting success so much as it was not wanting to be in that hellhole ever again.
0: Right? So... Sure. I think there's uh, something to that in some respects. You see at least a lot of uh, people who just and sometimes maybe in a less less advantaged uh, area or uh, are a upbringing. And what I mean by that is parents are uh, dual income parents, and you know, like you said, maybe you're paycheck to paycheck, you not even, and mother's always working because the father's not there. And I think some aspects, um, obviously, it can damage people. But I think some aspects it creates almost very driven people to some aspects, like as you mentioned, you don't want to go back to that, so it makes you work very hard. And sometimes if you grow up the other way, given everything, then you kind of have to almost work hard, almost work hard yeah. to get that work. I grew up pretty well compared mm-hmm. to most people. Um, my, my, my parents told me as long as I was in school, I didn't have to work, so I basically didn't have to work. What well, if I chose to, I didn't complete university, but until I got my degree, basically I, didn't, I wouldn't have to work, live at home for free, yeah. and I know very, very few people allegedly, so, yeah. but in some aspects, I kind of got complacent, and I almost, not thought it would last forever, but, uh, I didn't think I was kind fast, so, but yeah, um, so you said you've been almost like four months straight working. That was in 2012, yeah, and then after I, I, I became really good at it,
1: and, uh, basically what triggered me to, and I would have actually, kept, um, the only reason I didn't quit that one job, and I won't bring up the names, the manager was okay, the network, there were okay tell, like, they didn't, the guy there his entire life, I didn't. He, he basically that job was his life I did not want to be him Most people it was a revolving door they were coming in and out just <laughs> as often the only reason i take longer than the three months um because i actually kind of mine in the first two months there was a recruiter that hired me and he helped me when i was in a that like finding this job and I called him i said man i need to quit this place he's like oh, okay i get it i do use my bonus if you quit within three months of hiring i got to pay back all my commission i'm like okay well, i'm not gonna be a dick to you i'm gonna i'll stay that extra and uh, then the fourth month, they basically paid me to just clock in and out, because it was such a revolving door, they didn't want to lose my crystal. So, so essentially what happened there, um, but basically around that two, three months, I was I never had a boss. And my, my catalyst at that job was, I, I almost want this to happen to every, I, I know it's gonna sound weird, but maybe my, uh, my whole sense of humor, I feel like almost every employee needs to happen to them. And uh, this, this happened to me when my house driving such a crappy car, um, but not only were, were the seals gone and barely even started, it was so cold that the frost, not only did it freeze on the outside of the glass, but it also froze on the inside. So I had to take my debit card and scratch my windows clean. So I see, and I'm exhausted and I'm tired, and I gotta fight track there's sludge and there's something and it's just miserable out there, and then I'm gonna have to door knock to sell freaking photocopy, right? And the uh, the regional guy was massive Rolex, really nice suits. He had like BMW rentals. So you know the guy that's lavish. Like he's taking care of all of the um, like Alberta, BC provinces. And I was maybe just, like a few got on a letter saying it was from the UV, basically the president of the company saying thank you for your sixty seven percent sales quota. So I'm doing way beyond my sales quota. I'm basically doing the work for one. <laughs> And the guy's like, well, I don't know where, where you work at, but here at insert company name, our meetings started at 9 a.m. And I got there like maybe 10 after, mm-hmm. and I'm the guy that started the coffee. I'm the guy that did all that stuff. So he cracked on me in front of everybody. It's like, I'd say, Hey, what happened? Why are you late? Right. And then so it was at that moment where I said, I will number one, never work and being ever again, number two, I want to help people free themselves from that yeah. whatever the whatever the career that they want to be on if you can and i'm not saying work sucks and being an employee sucks like we need people to be employees i went through but i think it's a i think it's a short-term necessity to you to figure out what you need to do to eventually do it you need more independent business it would be so much better if not everybody was relying on a paycheck above them and then when an unpredictable event no one thought saw this coming and now you get to see exactly where your position and your employment. All that stuff lies in the loyalty right
0: so yeah yeah 100 and i think uh, a lot of people have seen that during this lockdown like yeah basically, all they have to be almost like almost uh create a sense of uh, basically where they actually value versus what they be, they thought they wanted or valued before and yeah. People will be changing or trying new businesses or doing whatever and and yeah and, and, you know, and for myself personally um, I was, uh, as you mentioned, I mentioned, doing multiple licenses in the financial industry. I, I was in more full time, but now during the lockdown, I'm actually grafting a bit away from it to keep license. Yeah. But I'm actually uh, upgrading and I'm going to be a firefighter. Right I'm um, partially just for, like working out, but also enjoy serving people. And I think it's that type of one that I like to feel good about. Mm-hmm. And it's also flexible enough that if I want to keep doing this podcast, I have the ability to do so. So that that's my plan that's uh when that during uh during this project, that's kind of what i took a look at I'm like you know what if that makes a change now said we've been i can say so really enjoying life before that you have a misconception of real estate but it is what it actually is and obviously you probably look at just seeing new york with a ryan sir hat um, um he's kind of someone who i kind of started real estate a little bit because he's kind of pretty popular but he makes it sound easy. because obviously the $12 million homes, 14 million, not even homes, condos, thousand dollars square for a condo in New York for a couple million dollars. Uh, um, it was, and um, correct me if I'm wrong, um, I thought it was just a person you, you walk in obviously there's a list of, you can also get a list of, homes, but I think clients either call the real estate brokerage, you have your, your number or whatever, then they sell the home. But then I think from a million dollar listing, uh, I believe the realtor is also um, in charge of staging as well. You have to do that. It really
1: depends. Talk about, let's say, right at the local Yes. Yeah. I mean, yeah. so I'll give you an example. The initial deal we ever did was about $2.2 2 million. In a beautiful home. Right. Yeah. That was open houses every weekend. So we're taking time away from behind it, not for a guaranteed paycheck, yeah. right? The commissions on that were, I think, a total of about $80,000 if we go to our own client, right? But then if someone else brings in their own client, we have to share the commission and all that stuff weekend we were water was okay now it's not it, 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 it is his so side though it was a mandatory for beverages when we were in line so everyone would put like a period or water and food all of a sudden now i don't know if it's coincidental but now it's not a mandatory field like imagine food and water to the open houses and they, we actually were banned from doing open houses for a while okay sanitizers don't come in if you're sick etc um That home took a lot out of us. It took a lot of time. We were away from families. We were away from two to three. We'd be taking turns. We spent a crap load of money on uh, staging and furniture and things like that. And if it didn't sell, we're out that money. No one pays that back to us. So we got to spend money to get it. So let's say, for example, we're going to be listing a home here for 400,000. Let's say the commission is seven grand to us on the other age. So, right off the bat, we got to go into the home, we got to assess the home. Some of you guys need to get this painted, et cetera, et cetera. Sometimes we handle it for them, right? mm-hmm. I have a background in construction. We've renovated flipped homes, all that stuff. Renovated my own personal home. So the most- I can help my clients so with all that. forty a hundred dollars there. Um, we start changing, just buying certain things. So the money really starts going down. If we got to split that with another realtor, after we got to pay, we got to pay taxes, we got to pay brokerage fees. What are you really left with, right? So a lot of people, and I'm financial planner to a few realtors out there at least I would say, and uh, you know they make four hundred grand a year, but what they're taking home is under under a hundred after everything's said and done, after the expenses, after all that. The most rewarding part is it is your own gig, but I find a lot of realtors get trapped into basically buying themselves a job, right? And it shouldn't be like that. It is really awesome, it is glamorous, it is fun. It is super rewarding when you win in a multiple offer situation, you're the hero to the client, right? But a lot of people don't see, well, what about the three other realtors that lost? And now it's like a mental battle oh, I should have done this, I should have done that. Or, you know, I'm in the industry now 12 years, If someone wants to overlist their home by, you know, every home is worth half a million dollars. And they say, well, my home is worth 25, 30. I'll walk away from that listing. When I was brand new, I would take anything. I made all those struggles. And then I wasted a lot of money, burned a lot of time and physically, mentally draining, right? So they don't see that. And the misconception was kind of what you said was, I'm gonna get my I'm gonna join a company and they're gonna train me and they're gonna give me deals. Okay, so if someone joined my company like that, not to spend again time away from my clients that i didn't sell money time away from my family to train, to train you but then i also have to give you my deals that i can make 100 of to you so you can make money that doesn't make sense right and i don't remember the exact statistics but after two years the 70 realtors do not reactivate their license after two years they don't make it it's crazy so it's just like any industry, right? Car sales, I've done cars. I've done every sales job that's out there. Mm-hmm. To me,
0: car sales, um uh, no disrespect to any car sales, they there's, I'm sure and there are probably great ones who care. And cars want to make sure people have the best vehicle for them. Mm-hmm. Uh, but to me, it just seems like uh, almost the worst type of sales you want to be in, at least for my, because I don't know, most cars, are last five, seven years, you see them, all these new vehicles every single year almost, in and off the lots, and then people, I think people work like 14, 16 hours, and, and I think more so for maybe when you're just starting off in car sales, I'm sure the sales managers, and when you get more experiences, but I think when you're just brand new, and you're just hustling, I heard a story you i call hundreds and hundreds of people, and in certain cases, some dealerships, that their business practices were uh, people come in because they call them to save the money on your car, but they walk out with uh, either a near vehicle and their payments even higher. And uh-huh. I sat down with one guy um just before the lockdown. Unfortunately, we didn't get back together. Uh-huh. He was 21. He only had one debt, which was his truck. Times on, mm-hmm. on the podcast, but uh um, I think that his debt for his That's truck. 100K. I think I heard. Yeah, you 100K. Alive. I think it's because he, he mentioned it. every time he called him, he always got the near vehicle, bells and whistles, and he was young and going no home different, Then of course people at the, at the dealership aren't going to say no either, right? Yeah. And so it's unfortunate that that can happen. Man, I don't, think I, could, I don't think I could do that. No, for sure. And I mean, I did car sales.
1: Um, I, yeah, like you said, I have really, really good friends that are car salespeople, and they're incredible, but their incomes are capped a lot of the times. And, you know, back when I was selling cars, you could still make, you know, 500, a 2,000 per car but now it's you know it's flats and it's tough like it's tough in any industry right now to grind especially when you're limited to by what your dealership has to offer right yeah. if you go to lexus right they go to lexus they're going like they're also looking at bmw and audi yeah. and all of that stuff right so if i can only sell you a lexus it's my job to sell you that lexus yeah. right and if i don't well that means now money's not being put on the table. I guess why I, I fell in love in car and I really fell in love to the real estate side, especially when I was doing both, is I saw the sim I guess the parallels where if I sell a house, I can sell any house that's for sale in Edmonton. Whether it's a new build construction by a by uh, their Coventry Sterling Paysetter, they call a blah 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 yeah. uh or resale home, I can sell all of them and it doesn't matter, it doesn't affect my paycheck which one, right? But again, in cars, I guess I'm just limited to their inventory, right? Mm-hmm. And then, I mean, I can shop around and do all that stuff. But for the few hundred bucks, it's,
0: it's kind of big with the right? Yeah, so. and I guess in cars, and I guess to your point as well, um, I guess car sales, um, you don't necessarily, I guess, have to afford the vehicle you're purchasing. I guess, um, I'm sure I know more high-end vehicles, like, you want like high Lexus or once you Audi and then Obviously, a Lamborghini. I'm, I'm sure they make sure you have to you have to be able to afford those cars, but uh, but then with real estate, for to my knowledge, you actually have to be able to afford the home. Where there's an uh, extensive background process, where oh, it's financial. So I wish, in a sense, and uh, and I also heard also uh, real um, on there this not I think back before it's probably the two thousands. Um, you could buy car cash no problem. You can still buy car cash to the day, but I think today it's for your credit, quote unquote, to buy a car and have payments versus just buying cash, which is backwards to me at
1: least. And now I have this psychological battle again, (laughs) thanks to COVID, right? Because it made me, and and I've always been a a firm believer and to a certain extent, I, I still am a firm believer of, you know. For example, we have a. My wife has a Rav Four hybrid, great card for her. Uh, the card that she had before was like, you know, clunky and stuff like that. We're like, no, if you're going to be doing appointments, we need something reliable. I don't want you to have a broken wheel, or something fall off when you're uh, going on, on an appointment, right? So we got her a Rav Four, and I think we're the balance going on it is twenty grand. The interest rate I have on that thing is one point four nine. So do I keep the twenty grand in the in in the investment funds and get a rate of return? um that's greater than that which most certainly we can now obviously right mm-hmm. i'm sure you've seen it yeah or do i just take the 20 grand out of the account paid off and not have that damn 500 a month payment that comes out of my account and drains that so do i you know i guess do i want to rip the bandit off soon or do i want to do it slowly and so for me i guess we're in that position where I can, but. You just, you just never know which way to do it. And even I still have this psychological battle because I'll see the 20 grand in the account and then gone, but then I'm not going to see that $500 painful payment coming out. So I guess just people have to make the call themselves on, on, on what they're going to do. Right. And then obviously there is, um, subprime finance lending and, uh, all of that. And I, I was a subprime uh, client for myself. Most people don't know this, but I. I actually had to file for bankruptcy. I think it was my second year. Of and what and what is subprime? For subprime. Oh, sorry. So you're looking at interest rates on cars twenty plus percent.
0: And that is that for yes, people who admit that don't have the best credit or best, Not best credit. Right They've got a
1: repo on them before, right? Oh. Uh, all sorts of stuff. So even when I were to get my first vehicle, it was a G6 Pontiac, white Pontiac G6. Ooh. Came around the time that the G6 song that came out. Yeah. So I'd go on in the radio, I would literally like turn. It down and I would sing and pretend I was rich and wealthy and I was like, yeah, like a G6, right? Driving in a car that was worth five grand that I was paying $500 payments on. But the thing was that was rebuilding my credit. So then I was able to get out of that car and and it's because I filed for bankruptcy. I was just failing at every single business. I just couldn't get my head out of the water. I tried a consumer proposal. That didn't work. I got declined. Now it's, you know, speak to a financial expert before you do everything, obviously, but... That's, that was the only option for me at that point in time. And it was hell. For nine months, I was allowed to make $1,884 a month, and that's it. And imagine surviving off of that. Um, and then I was able to get my Pontiac, which was exciting, but you know what? It was a reliable car. It got me to and from. I was able to break my sublease. My, I was I was diligent. I followed what my buddies in the car industry told me because they're on credit rebuilding programs. He's still one of my best friends, they were now. We're going to do some cool stuff. He's, he's showing me like, kind of like how to survive the world like yeah. kind of thing. So that's going to be cool. And, um, I was kind of hope he doesn't hear this cause he's going to be like, are we doing this this weekend finally? But anyways, um, so I was able to rebuild my credit very quickly. Um, so I didn't need to pay that loan for very long. I think it was like eight or nine months before I was able to go into, I think it was either TD or Scotia at about 11% and then uh, got into an awesome 2008, Infinity uh, XS. Uh, it was really awesome. Got me rented twice in that thing. That sucked. That took me out. That's how I ended up getting super you know, overweight to 204 pounds. I couldn't couldn't work out and it was just progressively getting harder and harder. And then uh, you look good enough, yeah, thanks. That was that took a lot of physio, a lot of chiro, a lot of stuff, and then just a lot of mental toughness of saying yes, I can go to the gym. I gotta stop feeding myself excuses. So. I went down to 164 and now I have my, my comfort weights like that 164 to 171 and that's just kind of where I'm at right now. Nice. I will get to 160 and lean and mean, but yeah, it was uh, it, it, it wasn't easy starting in business and anybody that tells you that it is, you know they had a horseshoe up their butt and that's okay but it's, it is tough and it's worth it
0: all. Yeah, I think a lot of people, myself included, you look at the end result people who are successful and the millions of dollars traveling the world, and of course it's yeah. possible, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. Um, unfortunately, no, I think a lot of businesses during this time have gone under, yeah. I think, especially in the restaurant industry. One yeah. um, um, on Joseph Joe's podcast, the restaurant currently, she said she put millions of dollars into construction just before um, COVID happened, yeah. and then lockdown, not do anything she said, the profit margins per month is, I want to say for, this is a but I'm sure it's similar in Canada, but I think the profit margins was about 11% mm-hmm. in, in the restaurant industry, and say a lot of businesses and month to month. Yeah, and, and I think a lot of people were month to month. And, and I think now, yeah, again, people are just looking at their lives and what they need, what they don't need. And, and I think like uh, what we were chatting about earlier, um, I think uh, the almost needs to be a shakeup in some of the systems. and. Mm-hmm. Um, Procedures in place, and again, like we kind of talked about, there's so many regulations now, and things constantly change. And maybe we've mentioned it's almost hard for people um, in these traditional industries like real estate, and I'll say even financial industry and car sales to actually make a living doing it. Yeah, And And, I guess what uh, I guess regulations you see maybe real estate that are maybe. Not good, or need to be changed.
1: The big thing is, and I and I understand again goes back to everybody in Alberta wants that. So the problem is universally across. Like if we look at Canada as a whole, Vancouver and Ontario are kind of these driving cat. Um, sorry, BC and Ontario are these driving catalysts to all these regulations that the banks are putting on people and in my opinion it's because the banks are afraid right the banks are scared to be lending money at yeah. these constant times right and banks at the end of the day when they lend out money they look at people i want to go redo my mortgage and the mortgage broker told me that these guys actually googled me googled that i'm the owner of my own company and he told me all these facts i was like wow did they at least write a freaking review if they went on that <laughs> side right like come on but they're they're, they're scared to lend out money rightfully so like we're, we're so leveraged to the maximum in society that. All the cases one bad one, then people are screwed. Case in point, why they did the deferrals, because the banks and the uh, you know the banks don't all of a sudden want everybody's home, what are they gonna do? To, yeah. Then that'll destroy the markets, right? The, the credit and all these guys, they don't want all of their cars back. What are no. they gonna do That They want and they need that interest, right?
0: So I yeah, feel and like also they, hence those serve payments as well because the government obviously doesn't want any banks to go under as well. Right. Um assumable. Yeah, and so that's why, but then that's obviously not the last for as result. No. So you, you really see just how fragile we are
1: and I pray that if anybody listens to this, if they get one thing from this, I don't care if it's one person, even if it's huge, yeah. stop overextending yourselves. Mm-hmm. We could have a way bigger home than we wanted, then we could have a way bigger car and way nicer cars than we wanted. Um, and sometimes I do look at Audi RA payments, right? Because that's my, my fine. I'm also thinking, I don't need another mortgage payment, right? Our, our mortgage payment is 1400 bucks a month. It's all that we need for us. I don't need to be living in a glamorous castle and all that stuff. Uh, so when, when, when these lockdowns happened, I was looking at my bills and I'm like, okay, I got a year before I got to start working, yeah. right? But I'm thinking to myself, what about my clients? What about my friends? What about the other people? in in the the industries that are so month to month and they're not saving right and it's 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 kind of a it's kind of a scary thing so i just really hope that people saw what just happened as a we need to smart now. we need to start saving money we need to protect ourselves right that's because no one else is going to do it no
0: no and uh and i think it goes back to like media is a great tool Mm -hmm. but it's also it can be a very toxic, very bad tool. Mm-hmm. And I think partially, um, uh, I think partially is due to the fact that, you know, again, we see people who are successful and some people who are fake successful who rent these nice cars or rent the Airbnb mansions. So they can get like followers for their business, whatever. And I think that's partially why, I think it's just natural as humans, we all want to have the same things, all be on the same level. So we see someone with a nice car, we want that nice car. So we go buy it And I think partially it is, um, we almost have to not look at other people. It's hard not to um, figure out what we want to do in life. And almost, and I think in any career path, there's an apprenticeship here. There's a, no matter what you do, there's going to be a time, whether it's two years, five years, 10 years, where you are now going to be making the most money, bringing the acquired knowledge and gaining valuable experience. And I think, um, especially, I think the younger, well, I think it's my generation or our generation. I think we're all in that group where we, we want, to be the CEO right now and I don't I'm not gonna do that unless I'm being paid this much. Yes. But the people need find what wanna do, whether it's you know real estate a um, chef, if you're gonna and you have to realize, okay, if I wanna be a chef, i will be making three grand a year, for example. i will be working hundreds of hours. Is that no my that passion, is that what I wanna do? And if it's a yes, then you have to almost accept and create a life of thirty thousand dollars and then maybe eventually um, as make more money or find a way to make more money, then start kind of. That's the right way, but it's hard not to. Because as soon as you're 18, people tell you is get a credit card. <laughs> I.
1: Uh, it's funny that you brought that up because I graduated. My birthday's at the end of November, November 30th. For anybody that wants to get me anything, I, I like Iron Man and anything Marvel inspired. So there you go. But I remember graduating at 17. I was already working since I was 15, right? I was living. Me and mom were living together. I was paying bills instantly. And um, I think people should work in school. People need to work in school. It opens up opportunities Mm -hmm. to them. It shows them that, okay, well, if I study, I don't have to do this, right? I'm not saying schools are bad. I didn't, um, not by not choice. I was working two jobs in high school. So basically, (laughs) if I wasn't in school, I was working, Um, but that gave me the work ethic and I wouldn't trade it for the world. You know what I mean? Um, my brother and sisters, they all went to university or college and they all got degrees and there's basically, you know, inches of, uh, inches of dust collecting on them. They're not really doing what they were designed to do. Right. Um, and I just kind of fumbled my way. I went to the university of hard knocks. I figured it out. I got beat up. I there was days where I wanted to cry. There was days where I wanted to give up and just say, screw it. I'm going to go back to work. But I didn't. Right. Um. Then there's again, obviously, the the people that went to university. That if when I graduated in two thousand and five, and so did they, they're still in school because they still figured out what they wanted to do. Wow. you know, fifteen well, years professional later, professional students or professional students, and that's scary because how much you spent fifteen years of your life, and now you're gonna get a job between forty to seventy thousand dollars a year. When you're now a neurosurgeon making yeah. $400,000, but you're still gonna have to hope we don't make and you will, yeah. right? So that's the scary thing. So. I looked at it for myself personally. Okay, I had a fourteen-year snapshot of myself. Um, my brother and my sisters are much older than me. They all went to school. It didn't really benefit them. They were always, you know, working and in debt and all that stuff. And I said, okay, well, I can keep doing that, or I can work hard and I can figure it out the same way I've been figuring it out since I was a kid. And I decided to go that route. And I didn't, you know, I ended up getting debt through businesses and stuff like that. But whatever, I guess. Fortunately, unfortunately, bankruptcy fixed most of that off there. And then since then, my beacon scores in the high seven, seven, something, right? There was one time where it was like seven, 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 and I was pretty excited. About it. <laughs> but I look at the people that, you know, they go to school for five to 10 years, they find a job, then they complain about it that this wasn't the job that they wanted. Well, you know, and it's not the money that they wanted. Now they have all this debt, but then they start a business for, you know, a few months. Oh, it doesn't work. The, the business didn't work, but they don't realize that it's actually them not working because anybody can be successful in anything. I was a waiter, not to not to knock down waiters. I literally, every time I go to a restaurant now, I go out of my way and the drive-thru's that I pick up myself, I go out of my way to thank these people yeah. for serving us in masks. There's no way in hell I'd be working as a waiter yeah. you know, serving in serving in masks. Like These people are champions. But that, what does a waiter have a prerequisite skill to being a real estate uh, associate broker, owner of a real estate brokerage, or a junior broker at a financial firm, or uh, part equity owner of a, a you know a, a, a play zone, which obviously is not unfortunately doing too well right now, but that is what it is. None of those skills were transferable. But I made sure that I would be surrounded by people that could pull me with them, versus and pull me with them to the top, versus drag
0: me down to the bottom. Right. Yeah, I understand that's valuable, and uh, I would point to that about surrounding people that uh, view. But um, just a fact, though, because um, now we're extending ourselves. Mm-hmm. Um, I sat down with the executive director of the mustard sea of Edmonton mm-hmm. on my last podcast, yeah. and one statistic you mentioned. He said, beginning of the lockdown, um, obviously, I think they opened up the Kingsman one of the facilities. I think called maybe called like, I forget, but. Um, to homeless people because there's more, and they did a survey. I, know, I forget the number of people they actually surveyed, but out of the people they did survey, 86% of those people were already homeless. Yeah. That means they initially there's already a 14% increase of new homeless people yeah. at the beginning of COVID, and so, and so now when surveys going to run down, if restrictions are not lifted, and And I didn't realize that wearing a mask is like a a bylaw. It's not even something they recommend. It's like it's a law essentially now, which is crazy to think about. Um, Going yeah. to the bank with a black mask on my face—I've never thought I would be
1: doing that. Yeah. Right. We go in. We have to deposit trust accounts, so we're depositing checks
0: and stuff like that. And I'm thinking, like, what do people do with the iPhone tens now?
1: That, that's that's the problem I have right now. It's like, oh my god, I gotta enter in my first world all, prompt to recognize myself. I have to type in my code manually. Yeah. Like, oh wow, you know. But the the homelessness that you brought up—it's it's 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 insane, you know. And I get it. You know, people. We're still kind of first world, so we're very like entitled and privileged. And some people deserve that. Some people. I mean, I think there's better things to complain about, not getting your fifty fifty draw, right? Yeah. Me and my wife, we did a uh, we did a week in in LA. It was a it was a missions trip with our church that we were going to at the time, and the homeless population down there. It was nuts. Like what we were. Well, doing. They're like the homeless, like cities or. Uh, community. Yeah, and but I saw that happen in Edmonton. I saw I was driving down one o seventh Ave and uh, just on ninety seventh Street yeah. where I used to work at Lucky ninety seven and uh, Asian Warehouse by the way, so that <laughs> was kind of cool. Um, but you know, there's these little little uh, houses before it turns onto ninety seventh Street. There's like a little plot of land. And by the way, my school Sacred Heart. That's where I went to the inner city school that I walked to with my mom in the winter, um, both ways uphill. Uh, like it was, it was crazy. I didn't ever think I would see there was about six or seven people tented up. You know, we're starting to see it here, right? And I have clients at like the mustard seed, both on the real estate and the financial side. And um, you know, they, they tell me all the stories that they hear, and they're underfunded and not getting taken care of. But we can build a freaking bridge, yeah. I don't get it, man.
0: Yeah, and and yeah, uh, one of the things he mentioned was, um, people just get, um, Again, yeah, um, complacent it's easy. So, people um, become homeless. Yeah. They said they don't catch it early enough. All of a sudden, like you mentioned, yeah, you, you have a community, even though you're homeless, it's kind of it's like your community now, right? So, yeah. it's like, so that's your new kind of group. And some people just, that's their life now, unfortunately. So, um, but yeah, and then that's also important why you need uh, to surround yourself with the right people. Because, like you mentioned, you had friends who were, um, when you're a waiter, and they weren't bad people by any yeah. means. Um, but I think partially sometimes people don't think they can achieve their dreams or what they want to do, or maybe they tried something and um, they they tried to go for their dreams and didn't happen, or the way they ha- thought it would happen, and now they're just... Crass in the bucket. Huh? And, um, yeah, and, and that almost happened to me because I, I, was, uh, I tried really hard for football mm-hmm. for the year. Um, mm-hmm. I tried for them to the Wildcats after, uh, yeah, I played uh, football and... I haven't played football in like three years after high school and I played lineman in high school, so I wasn't even like a receiver, and I uh, played receiver in uh, semi-professional football and I made it to the very last cuts. Awesome. And I was in the best shape I ever. Did. I did have two personal trainers, um, one guy who made um, U of A football and had a personal training business degree in So not just a personal training certificate, but a degree. So he was very intelligent and he played the sport. And I also had a, a guy who was on basketball and was training on field board. Wow. Um, and then yeah, I was like about two hundred five pounds of lean. Yeah. And spring camp came. I sprayed I sprang my foot before the spring uh, the camp. Mm-hmm. But I played anyway. Caught every single ball. Right. And the main cap came. And then for some reason I got put on like that chart. Got a very few reps. And then they're like, yeah, like you're yeah one year off to play. We just kind of want to keep younger guys. And obviously I probably didn't show enough. Um, but then I yeah, got then. That day, I ate two boxes of, like ice cream sandwiches. <laughs> <laughs> and, oh man. But then it could have been that night because I could have continued. I could have got uh, back to my. So yeah. I used to be overweight as well when I uh, well left high school because I got the freshman 15 by the like, freshman 50, so I was like 240 pounds after uh, high school. So I could have went back to them, and I could have work a mediocre job, and mm-hmm. just kind of complain behind everybody. The football team and my dream to be playing football I never happened. But yeah, I could have been a
1: football player once. Like, that's that's all you think about, right? And then it mentally is in the back of your head. I remember this one event. <clears throat> this would have been in uh, I want to say junior high, like grade seven, and I was entered into this uh, competition. There was a teacher. And and it was a lesson about never giving up too early because you never know when you're going to find the the, the achievement, right? And what it was, it was those like DreamWorks. I can't remember the name of this program, but they took the best students that were talented in certain things. They put them in a workshop and there was a uh, potential to win like these... um, uh, like scholarships and things like that. And I was very good at Flash, uh, run, like running, like making animations on Flash. And you can go on like New newgrounds.com was like where we would upload these videos and make like little animated shorts and people were doing video games, right? I thought I was pretty good. Then I went to this contest, and I'm looking at other people's screens, and I was by far the worst person by a landslide. Everybody on there, these are like people a little bit older than me, but they were, not, I didn't show up today too. The teacher calls me on Monday, he's like, hey, why didn't you drop out? I said, there was no way I was going to win. These people were way better than me. And he said... The reason I picked you was because you were best in your category. There was no one else in your category. You would have won and you would have got at least your portion of it. And I didn't realize that. Wow. So I gave up too early. And the problem is people give up too early due to do whatever circumstance. They always want to Just it. I, um... What what if I said no to an opportunity to work in the money and finance? I just stuck to real estate because, by the way, when I was when I was going into real estate, people were saying no. If you're gonna leave this industry, go back to the oil field. You used, I used to be in the oil field as a pipeline insulator. You know, who was in the oil field or trades so, Well, exactly. And and I mean that was a toxic environment. I was the best. I you know I don't have massive hands. I'm the only Polish guy I think in the world that doesn't like onions and is under yeah. six feet tall. Right five eight, so I'm not that short, but maybe you're adopted. Maybe it was adopted, yeah. <laughs> I, don't, I don't I don't think we had the money to be adopting anyone. Yeah. But um, I was uh, I was the best at using the silicone gun and I would actually like these people had these butcher jobs and they were terrible and I was perfect at running the bead, making it flush so when operating the cocking gun is what it's called, they would call me the cockmaster, master, right? That was my nickname. So toxic environment, people talking about their wives as their ex-wives. I'm like, no way in hell am I gonna keep doing this. But when I was going into real estate, they were telling me, no, you shouldn't do real estate. Um, you're not gonna make any money on it. You're not gonna be successful, blah, 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 blah. go back to the oil field of that one. Okay, so I go into the real estate industry now, right? I'm like, hey guys, I'm thinking about pursuing a career in money and finance. I wanna add it to money. I wanna be more diverse. I wanna help out clients. I'm gonna make a lot more money. I'll learn a ton. Now don't do that, don't diapers. Don't divert your time, real estate's where the money's at, you're good at real estate, that's where your, so it's like they just, no matter what I kept pivoting to, they would just try to drag me back, again, going back to that crabs in the bucket analogy and people listening to this, they can Google the, um, uh, the Roller Coaster Entrepreneur is a great book and it talks about that, but it mirrors to what you said. People fail or they, they don't want to see you succeed, they want to be, they want to bring you back to their circle, right? So, it was just, cons- and it still happens, Yeah, you know, when we want to open up our own real estate brokerage. Now, to me and my buddy, who are pretty successful, I would say, for our field. Uh, He also came from nothing, like they immigrated from El Salvador, they had nothing, right? Um, He was flying over to Canada, he he told me, he asked his dad, like, Papa, are we gonna be farmers now? Because that's what Canada was, he's about 10 plus years older than me too. And he got into real estate, same thing happened there. Uh, When we opened up our brokerage, now we have a combined of like 25 years of experience together and people are telling us not to do it. You know what I mean? Like just, it's, It's crazy. It goes back to Google reviews. You do really well. No one's going to write anything on Google. You got to beg and ask for it. But you do one thing wrong. It's this, you know, eulogy of how terrible you were.
0: Yeah. And I think it's also, um, humans, I I say humans, generalize. I think we also, yeah, we have a natural tendency to be a little bit, um, sort of complacent. Mm. Um, and then I think people just say that they, they think they wonder why people just, keep doing more things or keep taking on projects or start other businesses because like, why Why do you miss your this, It's good. It's good. It's, but it's, and for some people, it's not necessarily nice and people enjoy that, like the hustle. They love running businesses. They always want to work. And other people, you know, they're just happy with their maybe nine to five. And, but yeah, I think everyone just assumes their, uh, their way is the best. I think I think that's why people just want you to stay in real estate and think more or if it's the financial industry or whatever, it's because they think that's the best way to make income or have a great life. and sure. And maybe that's what they're experiencing. And I think that's why people just try to, not to say bring it down, but I think also if, um, if you're serious about it, and then you uh, take ownership for like almost like, not just like bird boats, but be confident in what you're doing, I think people yeah, will take you more seriously. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. And I think a
1: lot of the times people are negative because, you know, they see all their other buddies start these businesses or they've been in it and they're skeptical and they're so they're trying to do it to protect you in a sense. So, you know, you should value people's opinions, but I'm I'm very cautious and I can't remember who said it a long time ago. I actually think it was one of my uh, my real estate brokers, one of my good buddies still. And uh, we actually hung out with him the other day. Very successful broker. Really amazing guy. We We were and I gotta tell you this because he is—he's like a brother to me, and I learned a lot from him. And he's—he's a, he's a black guy selling real estate back in the day, knocking on doors. And I was like, man, what was that like? He's like, it's kind of, kind of, uh, kind of scary sometimes. And he's one of the most successful brokers, and, and and I said, you know what, man? People can hate on you because you're black. People can hate on you because you're this. People can hate on you because of that. But there's one thing that they cannot hate on you is that you outworked everybody in your class to get to work. He's yeah. got over a hundred realtors in his organizations. That's not a small task. No. And a lot of them are loyal, right? And even to this day, we seek his counsel in our brokerage and he'll ask us some questions too, but we're very good friends. Even though we're technically competing brokerages, because if I get a listing and his office doesn't, I'm getting paid, he doesn't. We're still very close friends. And uh, he kept asking, he's like, you know, some people are asking me this, some people, maybe I'll get him on your podcast one of these oh, days. And and, and and he was because he was asking about like the, the society that we're in the times in. I'm like dude they're just jealous of where you're at you know like they they chose to stay down there whereas you rose and if anything you went through way more challenges than I did before, yeah right so it's it's just interesting seeing the perspectives but I believe it, it might have been him it might have not been him um but it talked about be careful of who you take free advice from
0: yeah
1: right and free advice is. Free advice for a reason. It's generally useless, right? And it's, you know, it's always the divorced guy or gal that's teaching you about marriages. Yeah. It's always the overweight person telling you that that doesn't work. It's always the broke person saying that this business is a scam. So you really got, or the person that doesn't have faith, um, regardless of what your faith is, telling you that, you know, there is no higher power or spiritual, whatever, right? So I'm always cautious as to who I take advice from. and I, I think that's when my shift went was when I was taking advice from divorced people, broke people, people without faith, which by the way, I was single. I was broke. I wasn't in shape. And, uh, like, and at that point, uh, you know, I kind of separated from, uh, from my faith at that point yeah. as well. And then as I started hanging out with people that were successful, that had fantastic relationships with their spouses which by the way this you know we got married on in february of 2020 yeah. right sorry guys we got married on the leap year so we could celebrate whenever we want to i don't believe in conforming right you no know, we can celebrate our <laughs> anniversary whenever we want right and we got married for a whopping 89 in our basement we invited our family we didn't spend you know the 20 30 40 grand for a wedding which by the way would have been cancelled due to covid anyways yeah. right so we did everything smart that way i i, I talked to a lot of Um, a lot of people who are married and they said that's the way to do it. If we were to do it all over again, it was stressful. Like we fought almost every day. The fact that you got it done for 89 bucks, fantastic. It's we we celebrated our honeymoon. Uh, we, we ended up, we were big gamers. We like to game a little bit. It's not always a business, but we both bought Animal Crossing and we both played our honeymoon on a made up island on a video game. That's, it is what it is.
0: Yeah, You yeah, To making the most of the situation. Make the most out of it, man. You can only control what you can control. Yeah, my, my friend, um um, so uh, it was pretty cool. Um, growing up, uh, we actually had a pretty tight group because um, I was in the Ukraine program here in Edmonton. Right. And my friends, And plus we had one American, so just became part of the group. And we actually were friends from kindergarten to grade 12. Yes. And the youngest of the group, um, she got married and her wedding was at the Fairmont uh, Royal McDonald's. Was Rome, know, it Royal Yeah. Around McDonald's, yeah, and here. And I believe her wedding was about fifty grand. Right? Yeah. And and she, I think she was, she was a full time person who was um, doing really well in the field And so I I think um, her father's in the financial industry, and I um, think he's like a mortgage high up in mortgages mm-hmm. and does really well. So I'm assuming they didn't go into that for that way. Some people I imagine because again it's. Just, the Instagram and they think that's what it's supposed to be like and hey, if that's what you want it to be awesome again it's going back and over-sign yourself like $89 wedding with the people who are closest to you and then the most to you guys yeah. are there and that's all you need really and my, my
1: brother and my sisters weren't at the wedding it was me my wife her mom her sister and then our pastor yeah. which is also my bmo mortgage specialist so get married and get a mortgage cool. but, <laughs> but i mean here's, the crazy thing is why you know, like, I get it for some faiths, it's really important to have this massive wedding, but they get help from the family. You should not go into debt to get married. Yeah. I think it's very, I think it's a very terrible, terrible, terrible mistake. Um, and then you're just living with it. Right. There's a, there's an incredible book, whether you like Kevin O'Leary or not, it's irrelevant. It's a very good book and it talks to men, money and uh, women, men and money, I believe is the, the name of it. It talks to you about how you should have a relationship based on, you know, what are your goals on? Uh, do you, number one. Do you have debt? Did you disclose your debt to the person that you're about to get married? Because that should be out on the book. Because everything uh, can be fantastic, and then all of a sudden you find out that he or she has a hundred thousand dollars in debt. Is that going to be a big deal for you? I would argue that you say it would be because now you're inheriting that debt. You get divorced, it's going to be ugly, right? What's your opinions on religion? What's your opinion on spanking or whatever the heck is? So it really. It, I, I read that book and I was like. <laughs> I read it while we were basically engaged already. I was like, "Thank God, we just by fluke checked everything off already." But people don't. Mm-hmm. My wife sent me a picture. Uh, it was a bunch of us when we won uh, the twenty ten um, in, in Las Vegas. That, oh, that trip, and we were at a table, and there was about six couples at the table. She sent me a screenshot of a recap. We're the only people that are still together wow. at that table.
0: Well, wow. right. I also heard um, in a relationship, and also it's whatever you Two people um, in a relationship how, how they want to divide responsibilities. Some people if they want one person have all the monetary responsibility, and it's each their own. It's your life, right? Mm-hmm. I think at least for me, it should be to what capacity you can do, um, can give. So, for example, um, say you make let's say you make two hundred thousand dollars. Oh, say you make fifty grand, and your wife makes two hundred thousand sure. dollars, <laughs> and she's like, hey, I want to go, I want to go to the Fairmont for the weekend. Mm-hmm but say maybe she pays for the room and then you maybe just pay for the dinners. Because mm-hmm. that's kind of proportional to what she makes and you pay for what's proportional to you. So sure. I think, I think that could be a good way to do it because then one, you're not feeling guilty. That's a good way because if you're only up to afford X amount of dollars, there's no point in trying to, again, overextend yourself and go to debt, if, right? So I think that could also someone can provide like pay for that and so it's that's one perspective I guess
1: absolutely yeah and it it is important to be perspective because I I I had friends that I I figured they would never break up in either and it was nuts but they were just such both of them were such alpha characters and I know the alpha beta thing doesn't technically exist in humans but uh, it's a conversation for another time um depending on the perspective but they were such alpha characters where they had to be right every single time and then the one that was making the most income would basically say well i make more than you so it's going to happen this way and that's very big no no yeah that's a very big no -no. you know i make more than my wife does um but that's not a determining factor of well are we going to go here or are we going to go here are we going to go eat this are we going to go eat this i consider her equal the income is just a bonus right um, so again, people are entitled to to that in their own relationships, but they need to set that groundwork at the beginning. For me, this is the second or third time I'm actually saying this today, but I don't do laundry in my home. For me, like we had to do laundry and it was in a shared apartment building and it sucked and we were at the end of the hallway. Sometimes we had to go downstairs and we had to share with other people. I got two washer and dryers in our home. I do not do the laundry in my house. Roxanne does it fully, 100% of the time, that was the knowledge going in, but I literally do all of the artwork work. I do all sorts of other things that are more like day to day that I will do that I know, for example, she won't enjoy, but we had that conversation prior to us moving in with each other. I said, look, I don't do laundry. So I said, well, I hate it. it. It actually bothers me to do it. Um, I will pay someone money to come in and do it if you're not interested in doing it. She's like, no, I, won't, I don't have a problem doing it dishes we take turns there's this beautiful thing called the dishwasher that you can also get a magnet that says clean and dirty i recommend that for every marriage if you want to it still stay put yeah. things in the dishwashers 90 percent of the time but uh, you know a lot of what i learned in in how to be a good business owner leader i guess um when you're training other people below you in your organization uh, a husband a brother uh you know a father at some point of a father to cats right now, I guess, but you know, it all kind of you can't be a business owner and be like the most incredible human being and the best realtor or the best finance guy or blah 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 and then come home and yell at your wife. It you can't, right? Or then you know, never hang out with your children or, you know, never do anything around the home. I think you unilaterally have, you don't have to be the greatest at every single thing, but you need to be dabbling in, in everything and being good and rounded. because people will find out. And I find that as a mistake, like I see the, the, the business people who I know are very good, but their whole life, terrible. And then divorce. Yeah, Kids don't like you anymore. And it's, it's crazy, you've seen it, I've seen it over the past 10 years. So I made sure that when I was getting into a relationship, it was the rules were set out up front, right, they're written down, they're not signed. I mean, that's going pretty hardcore, yeah. but you need to be good in, in all aspects of your life because the bad will trifle or not trifle, will, will trickle into the other areas. And then it's game over and then you're exposed for who you are. And this catalyst that recently happened, I think it exposed a lot of people who are fake. And I, I know a few people personally that have just gone completely to the dark side.
0: Yeah, for sure. And I think, I think in some ways, uh, some people may, through experiences, um, obviously go to the dark side, and they switch over and do things that um, are dishonest and yeah. um, not ethical. But I think partially sometimes, they're like that before happened. And I think those tough moments either, tough moments, some people rise and do well, and get better, and other people, stay where they're at or to get worse and i think it goes back to i think having those people in your life and need, some, need someone you can be almost honest with and and it goes back to i think this lockdown for me it's like maybe I want to be more myself and not want to be uh, like someone to um the reason why i kind of graduated towards uh, away from the financial industry currently is um i just felt like I can't say certain things on social media obviously right. when you're financial street because yeah. you have to be professional obviously. Especially in the financial industry, people look at your social media and so but I wanna be able to swear a little bit and and whatnot, so and, if, and I don't like I like dress up in suits, but I guess not that much anymore. And I like being more I guess more physical, so <laughs> I made mean, one year my football. like uh in my time I I just need to learn more lessons before. how uh, how PG what's the rating on your podcast? Oh I thought
1: explicit, yeah. So I called the year while in quarantine about like about a month in, I just called twenty twenty the year of not giving a shit. Because that was me, like always suit and prim and proper vests and ties. When I was young, I I think, in my opinion, if you are young in your 20s, you need to be in a student tie all the time. No one will take you seriously if you're showing up in true religion jeans. I had a 2009 Harley Rocker in 2011. One single seat, you can't pick up girls in that. Yeah. I thought it would be cool. Well, you would even literally, you can't pick them up. They're not going to fit on your motorcycle. Yeah. True religion jeans that were $400 on a credit card at 20% interest rate. Right? Um, and then I realized, well, maybe I should start dressing up and appearing older. And I would do everything it took uh, to appear older. But now, as I get older and I have that experience, you know, I had, uh, I, I got my car done up like the agents of shield from, from Marvel, right? And I had a couple people look at me and say, do you think that's a little bit unprofessional? You're going to be driving clients around and you look like your car's in the comic book. I said, first of all, I mean, the price of the car should just elevate a little bit. Number two, if I spend $3,000 on a wrap job, that's 100% up to me. If you don't want to be my client or work for my organization because of that, it's going to be a nightmare working with you. I yeah. don't want to work with you at that point anyways. And again, avoiding those conversations. Literally, I get pulled over at red lights. People are like, what do you do? And I'm like, there's my Instagram handle. They're like, pull out their phone. They're like, oh, you're a realtor. Okay, I'm going to save your contact info. Or, oh, you're in the financial. I'm going to save them. Like, literally, I have gone of money that that car has brought me has paid for itself and has paid for the rap job right it's you you just you just gotta be you and people know if you're gonna be fake right i i uh, i'm gonna be showing houses later to really good friends of mine i'm probably gonna put on jeans a a pokemon trainer t-shirt that i left on the bathroom today my wife's gonna kill me uh and a suit yeah. but those guys are massive pokemoners and that's what i like wearing when i'm not in an office environment and that's what they're comfortable with we'll probably go play some pokemon go with each other after we go look at houses you just you just need to be a good person number one yeah and we're you know we're, we're onboarding a brand new agent i've known this guy since uh since junior high right really good guy awesome father that awesome awesome guy he lost his father at a really young age and it forced him to grow up old like grow up quickly and he just started working at my company and I text him. I might've had one or two wobbly pops when I text him. It was like at 11 o'clock at night. i I'm like, dude, I'm so happy you work for my company. Cause he could have chose other companies, but he chose to work with me because he's known me since grade nine. He knows that I won't screw with him. He knows where I live. He knows our family. He knows that I'm going to do everything in my power to make him do good. And he's like, man, I like I hear you. He's brought us on a couple of appointments and we've gotten to shadow with us and, and he's asking. I don't know if I can do this as you like. He literally said, "I don't know if I'm going to be able to do as good as you are," because I was listening to talk to your clients and how good you were, and how like all. And that and I was actually wearing a Pokemon Pikachu yeah. T-shirt on that appointment too, and they had little kids and they loved it because they also had like Pokemon stuff on. It was funny and whatever. Sometimes it's Zelda, sometimes it's Dragon Ball Z. But he's like, "I don't know if I can be as good as you," so I'm kind of worried about my real estate career. And I said, "Listen, you get the people in front of us. They like you." They trust that you're not gonna work for a company that's gonna screw them over. We're gonna go on appointments. I'm gonna take care of you, we're gonna take care of them. Because if we screw them over, it's gonna screw you over, it's gonna screw us over. This is how the chain needs to be established. When I was around you, I knew nothing about real estate. Yeah. I didn't own a home. I was renting with my mom and now she lives with us, it's awesome, but I didn't own a home until like
0: 2015 or so, yeah. The question for you, yeah, because um, I know there's some people who either invest in real estate or realtors mm-hmm. have the idea or a perception a mindset that you shouldn't uh, should own what you sell, or um, mostly I'm just just renting mm-hmm. and then just owning properties or selling the property. Mm-hmm. Um, on your perspective, so I don't think there's a right or wrong, it depends again what do you want your life to be like and uh, if can you can handle it or not. Do you want to rent and and because it's sometimes more free to rent, you can change that or free and more freely. You don't sign a bunch of documents to sell your home, get a new home. So, what's your perspective? So, my perspective is, is if you don't own it, um, at
1: least one property, I think it's a mistake, right? If you are renting, and again, there's going to be people, well, if you rent, you don't have to do this and it's not committed, you're paying 100% interest to someone else. Yeah. Right. Some people are uh, very no, no, I could of it. So whatever the number is, what, whether renting ends up being a few hundred grand, it wouldn't even be. But let's say it's you know one or two hundred grand uh, cheaper over the year. Well, you still need a place to live. And rent, if it keeps going up, you're screwing yourself over and over. Whereas our home, you know, it's it as an up and down rental. So now I have two rentals in one. If I ever leave. Uh, I believe real estate should be long term. I don't believe it should be short term. People make mistakes by buying a home three years later, calling you to resell it. You almost always lose, just like investments. You can't just buy a stock and hope it'll be good for you know one or two years. And you got to ride that sucker out long term. <laughs> so I think the people that make mistakes are the people that think real estate can be short term and they're expected to make money. Um, and they, do they, that. they probably watched those.
0: Uh, sorry to cut you off, but they probably watch those. Uh, the uh, like flip it or list it, whatever. Mm-hmm. So, oh, I Never mean, listed. Never listed. And um, it's a half an hour, two hours, about half, half an hour, twenty minutes with commercials. Yeah. And they show you what some things go wrong and mm-hmm. then You see, like, oh, like, it seems so simple and easy to do, buy a house, flip it. Yeah. But, yeah. but then once you, you know, I'm sure you probably have some experiences that you could. Seems good. Sometimes you an expansion. Sometimes people will probably rush with the buying process, I imagine, but then all of a sudden there could be a crack on the foundation or some things I need to that you replace and there are tons and tons of money and renovations, even kitchens can be up to 50 grand for just the kitchen,
1: right? And that's the mistake they make. Why need a fifty K kitchen and a three hundred fifty thousand dollar home, right? So the people take these courses and it's five to eight thousand dollars and learn how to flip homes and no money down and leverage other people's and the amount of calls I get it's like, hey, I just took this course and immediately I'm like, oh god. Do those on average work? those courses? I haven't really heard of any personal success stories and not saying generally, I'm sure there's a few that work, but here's here's my analysis on it. If you want to get into flipping homes, you call a realtor that's not been around for two months, that's been around for a while, but is experienced, that has done it for his clients in the past, that have or his or her clients in the past that have done it themselves personally. Because they know I don't like I don't flip houses anymore. We use it's not worth our time and energy to do it. I'll help other people find those homes. No problem. They, they can go through because it's a massive headache, right? You're, you're, you're buying a property. You got to put money down. Then you got to, you know, you got to do the inspection. You got to do all that stuff. Trades are always late. If you cannot do the renovations for the most part yourself, there's very little money in it for you to flip it. Mm-hmm. Unless you are basically the contractor, because all you're going to do is you're going to get a contractor. He's going to find the electrician, the plumber, the floor, the floor guy, all, all that stuff. and margins are gone and then that property what happens if it takes you two to three months and the market shifted now right yeah what if you what if the time your home is ready to sell was at the end of march good luck now you're paying property taxes you're paying mortgages a lot of these people are getting uh second loans at 10 plus percent interest that are interest only so they're paying like two three four grand a month that's how you get away with no money down right so it, it becomes very very expensive at, uh, at some points. And it's, again, it's people always rushing for the quick fix. They want the rapid weight loss pills. They want the quick successful business that someone called them about that they're going to make 10 grand a month in their first month. That stuff doesn't exist. Those days are gone right now. It takes a lot. And by the way, for every home that you're looking for, that's gonna take you to the top. There's hundreds of other people looking for the same thing that have more money than you that yeah. are buying these homes on condition cash. So I, you need to find. I imagine, good. as you mentioned earlier,
0: you're not definitely not the only real estate brokerage in sure. and, and I'm, I'm guessing you're not the only real estate agent in Edmonton as well mm-hmm. with license. So, yeah. like you mentioned, there's only obviously there's building like a slab, but again, there's many people looking at homes and there's many realtors in homes. So. During the bidding process, because process, it probably depends who, um, if the buy of a sorry builder is selling it compared to another real estate brokerage, I might. So, I guess how does that process work, and how does someone guess what the bidding pro-
1: process? Relationships are everything. You know, a lot of realtors make the mistake, and I, I find in the financial industry as well too, is they're their clients like the golden goose, and they'll treat everybody else like crap, right? And that they're the you know they're they're the, the big person in the boat and. Everything's good, but it's not like that. You know, our clients are our clients and yeah, we do everything for them, but we need to build relationships and keep our egos out the doors with other realtors. I deal with realtors that have way more experience than me. You know, one guy's been around for over 40 years and it was absolutely painful to deal with this individual, painful. I've dealt with agents that were brand new, absolutely painful. Their brokers is helping them on transaction, but I've also dealt with realtors that are incredibly good. Look, we just did a deal uh, on the weekend where you know I let my client know that there's quite a bit of interest all of a sudden there's a bunch of shows, but right? I said the realtor there's a realtor bringing us an offer today. You can wait till all those other off, uh, those other places um, uh, all those realtors bring their home uh, their clients into the home and see if you can get an offer maybe, right? right. The burden in the bush. Or the realtor that we're dealing with, he's a, I know his broker, his brokers at like mine we've, we've been chatting for years and years and years. Uh, this agent has brought us solid deals in the past and it was an absolute charm to work with it i say we who cares what potentially those offers might happen if, if they even happen let's work with this guy today see if we can get a deal done we got this deal pending in two hours it was a solid deal for the seller solid deal for the buyer and the only reason he got that luxury was because we've had very good relationships in the past with each other yeah. right and that, that happens time and time again where. Realtors will like argue and they'll they'll not be good and they'll do all that stuff and then we're like, well I don't want to deal with you, you know? I'm obligated to present your offer to my client and I'm obligated to let him know all the stuff, but I'm also gonna tell him that our past experience with each other where you were a complete nightmare to deal with and you didn't do what was right with your client. Do you want to go into that same relationship with this person later, right? Because real estate isn't just you and your client. It's you and your client and the mortgage broker and the lawyer and the home inspector and that realtor and his client and their lawyer. And there's so many variables to it. So you need to be good to everybody. Yeah. You know, if you're treating that mortgage broker like crap and there's a deadline, they have the way to basically say, well, no, now you're gonna need an extension, now you're gonna to have to do paperwork for this deal. So you need to be good to to everybody. And that's why it's super important. You know, people go for the discounts. Like, oh, can you give me a discount? Oh well this if you have a full-time job, your boss isn't asking you to discount your hours. You pay the professionals accordingly. 100%. And be, be weary of the people that are giving away
0: their services for nothing. There's a reason for it. Yeah, right. exactly. And, and for me, it goes back to a, um, a part of growing up. If you need to be part of some of these um, groups, whether it be sports, whether it be dance or something. Because for me, um, I played a lot of sports growing up. I played. Hockey, soccer, um, volleyball, slow pitch, football, and um, for me, football took my heart to other sports and sportsy. I used to be a huge hockey fan, unfortunately, not as much anymore. But um, something that's like something like sports games, you uh, um, interact with uh, such a variety of people. For a football, example. And why I say I, I kind of like football better and I think it's um, more of a team sport or better team sport than mm-hmm. hockey. The reason being is sometimes in hockey or soccer, you can have like, a pair of people on the, on the ice, or whatever. But football is the one of the few sports that so everyone has to do their jobs accordingly. Mm-hmm. Um, so you got to get good personally for the, the common goal and you basically go to war with each other, <laughs> basically yeah. awesome. And then you build this camaraderie like nothing else. You get to know someone for who they are, not based on what they look like or what people say about them and build strong relationships and it gives you that ability to deal with a variety of people and life situations. I think that's why for me personally, why I can get along with anyone because I've just been around so many different cultures and people in these team sports environments. So I think that's also crucial for... And I'm not sure if I agree with the no score, no winner or lose game. (laughs) I I think there was one years ago I read an article where there's a league in ontario i'm not sure if it was a fake news it could be real news i think they said they even have a ball it's like the kids just told totally kids imagine you're winning
1: right i'm very against that because i think that and and the the the, the scores and and not calculating against a pass i think that is leading our world into a passive world where everybody's going to be um, uh, reactionary versus that and it, okay so this this actually stems from my own family many years ago I went to go visit a family member and they had a young kid and uh, back then and she was like we were playing like soccer in hallway. this the first time I was meeting them I was like nice I scored she's like oh we don't score at school I'm like what it was the first time I heard of this in my life this was in 2012 like, never like, we don't score our points I'm like this is not good fast forward kid is panicking right now stressed out anxiety to the max because they changed the uh due covid they changed the way the school schedules are going to be and uh, this person doesn't know how they're going to handle it and it's like well everybody's going to handle it so you're just going to hear it. great job working two jobs if i could have my schedules we can do it too but i find the problem is is Everything in the world is a competition, whether it's a salesperson or whether you hate salespeople, you're a salesperson, everybody's a salesperson. If you're on a date, you gotta close them on why they should go. My wife, it wasn't a simple, it was, it, it was I had to prosper, get her phone number, I'd follow up a couple times, had to, you know, close the deal on why she should spend the rest with me. So uh, that's, that's a sale in its own and you want them to be in good shape because you remember being like I was, you got, yeah. and the problem with the no competition, everything is, you're, you're, you're the signal if you get into that part, otherwise you're parking, you know, five rows down. Yeah, and if there is a number one and a number two, what's the? Point? Yeah. Sports is competitive. Life is competitive. You think so? You're gonna you're you're gonna graduate and you pass, and then you're gonna go into the world because everything is the matrix, in my opinion, right? Yeah. The 18 Here
0: you go. At that point. The- and this is as well. I think even. I'm not sure the reasoning behind this, or you know, I think sometimes we need to reinstate like the app. Not necessarily, like, well, like, it like but uh, it was like 40. Again, like you realize, complete, which is it sounds like I mean, maybe how I'm saying, you're passing because you. 10, 20. My teacher,
1: I got 49.20. He went up to me back and he's like, 50% income 30. In that wasn't healing, that was the app. Chemistry, he said, I can retake Chem 20 and bother not to take it. I bother to take my five or ten credits, whatever the hell I got. Five three, I was good, but that was it. Competing okay. 80s and 90s and stuff, certainly good people and stuff. And I, I just wait a little bit. the schedule? That every single, every single grade. They go into the adult world. They don't get the job into the job yeah. interview. I thought everybody would get that. I thought I just had to show up, and it would happen to me. What, what do you mean? I'm overweight and I'm type to i type uh, I'm level two at least, which I was at 204. Um, I just thought I would just show up to the gym and that's all I needed to do, that's like what I was taught and possessed, so that really worries
0: me. Yeah me too and and you know like I see cause, uh, I'm into fitness, I see like, the <laughs> body positivity and, sure. and you know I'm, I agree It should be positive in all shapes and sizes, if you want to choose you want or whatever, maybe health conditioning may cause them to be a certain way. It sure. um, doesn't do any good to make fun of anyone, no matter what but um, I think it's we can't we need to have we have to have this again this as well as we can't have open discussions that hey, um, it's so I think it's okay to say I'm well, not say okay to say so but it's, it's not a bad thing to say so hey um, you're not as healthy as you could be mm-hmm. if you lost a few pounds instead just say, hey you look amazing you're healthy I'm not I'm not saying because some people live long no matter what but I think have these open conversations and not be worried so like yeah be respectful but yeah. still be able to talk openly and state the facts but also in a way be respectful if you can but. yeah and i agree i mean when i went from
1: basically when i gained 40 pounds of fat there was none of that was muscle the doctor basically set out fat and he's an old school polish doctor He finally retired but he was that took a ding in the in the uh in the doctor world because he was one of the best doctors and then he was also polish right so he finally told me i was fat and i needed to do something there was no fancy thing there was no dancing things he didn't care if i was recording it and putting it up on youtube he told me in his professional opinion you are fat you are overweight you are at risk for all of these conditions and i walked out of there and i went two month cycle of eating properly eating nothing and i lost 40 pounds in two months but it's because I took what he told me and I remember looking at photos, like going back to as I was progressively gaining weight, gaining weight, gaining weight, it didn't feel like I was looking different until I was 204 pounds and I sat down and I ripped my dress pants, thank God it was at home. That was also another catalyst when I went to go see the doctor, but then all of a sudden I'm thinking to myself, I don't remember all these 40 pounds. It felt like it was overnight. It yeah. And no one told me, yeah. everybody's like, oh, you look good. You look good. I didn't look good. My cheeks were overpassing my beard. Right? And again, I, I told everybody and everybody was like, man, you look so good. You look so good now. And you know, how much weight did you lose and all that stuff. That's like, well, I lost 40 pounds of fat, not weight, fat. Um, if that ever happens to me and I start creeping up there, I need you to tell me this. You're not doing me any favors by saying I look good, at 40 pounds over what I should. Technically, 50 pounds is what I should be. So I gave everybody my permission, but again, it's I guess I gave them my permission to tell me that. Yeah. So we do somewhat need to to, to tell people, right? Yeah. And we need to. There there is a fine balance, and yeah, I respect everybody's shapes and sizes and everything like that. And you're beautiful. How you're beautiful, and God made you that way for a certain reason. Um, and I feel like he he like I, I needed to get fat. In my opinion, I was fat. I was level type two um, or level two obesity according to the chart. Um, so that I could lose that weight and I could show people that it's doable, mm. right? So would you ever would you ever go back to that way or keep it off? No zero chance. So what we do even even now like I you know I, I'll have whiskey here and there. I'll have a beer here and there uh we'll you know we crush some pizzas over the weekend and stuff like that but then what we'll do is we'll spend a week of not eating meat right we'll, we'll just eat vegetables and and like healthy proteins in terms of that and then like i'll slim down again or we'll do uh two smoothies a day for a week and then just one meal to kind of keep going back and and and, and solving that and course correcting ourselves right i gained about 10 pounds in the in the the, the quarantine there but for the first Uh, Month I was going hard and then something happened to my knee like it's just hasn't been the same. I've probably been on physio, and massage at least 30 appointments in the last like five, six weeks. Wow. It's not, it's still not getting better. So I'm limited to what my, my, my actions are, but once it gets better, like I'm going hard, I'm going for the eight pack, I'm going to do splits like Jean-Claude Van Damme, but I have all these things down path that I will do this. Because again, I will never go back to being broken. I will never go back to being
0: overweight. Yeah, the same. and Yeah, I remember when I first lost to apes, uh I went through a different experience in my weight loss. Mine was uh, had a high school sweetheart gained the way, she broke up with me, and then I kind of wanted to work out and kind of show her that I was kind of better than her. <laughs> yeah. uh, I was eighteen at the time, mm-hmm. and I went from two forty to about six months, right on. and. Then after a while, it was kind of turned to a passion. And, and even now, I hired, a, even though I've been in the gym for six years, I had a personal trainer in the past. I learned a ton and I know what I'm doing. I hired a personal trainer again just to kick my ass, Yeah, give me a program, giving me a nutrition tips. So just uh, change it up again and get back into it because I've definitely been so lazy during the lockdown. I've barely worked out. Yeah. Barely worked out. And for real estate, um, where do you see? where you see your business going used. Yeah, I mean, the,
1: the the reason why, and it's funny how things change, right? We ultimately started up our own real estate brokerage so that we could call our own shots, so that we didn't have to ask our broker for permission to do this, to do that. We were the guys at the top that could make that call, right? Because ultimately when you run your brokerage, um, as, a, as a realtor, you ha- you can't just get your real estate license, just like in the financial or mortgage industry, or even a law firm, and just open up right away, right? In real estate, you need to be a realtor for two years before you pay more money to get your broker's course and then essentially get your designated title as broker, right? So in that case, Jeffrey's the actual broker. You can only have one broker. We're both partners in the firm. I have my broker's license as well. And i have what's called a broker delegation meaning i can do absolutely everything jeffrey can at any point in time without his permission the only thing i cannot do is shut down the brokerage because only one person in our regulatory bodies has that permission to do that but he's not shutting down and even if he does i'll open up my own so it's not a concern we're brothers basically like we literally are interchangeable at any point in time he could be here everything i'm saying would come out of his mouth the same way um But you need two years of uh, real estate knowledge in good, and you have to be in good standing. So you can't be like getting in a lawsuit or or being fined or whatever in that process. So two years, um, and then you can spend a bunch of money. I think we spent close to forty some thousand dollars to open up the brokerage, um, and we just did it so we could call our own shots. Ultimately, maybe it was a little bit of an ego thing. We just wanted to do our own thing. Finally, for sure, if you work at, you know, a big branch, I won't name names, but if you work at a big name uh, brokerage, yes, you're a business owner, but ultimately your broker and furthermore, that brand can shut you down in
0: terms of what you do for marketing and advertising and how you carry yourself. So you're kind of constrained to essentially, so you can say promote your brand, your, your business essentially has to be with. This looks i like there's I'll say remax. most obviously you get it but has to do with the remax logo or remaps mm-hmm. color. So mm-hmm. and um yeah I felt uh, a bit the same way. Um again, uh, no it's not bashful one mm-hmm. to me, but it's like I just kinda of felt the same way kind of in the financial industry is yeah. like um, I wasn't a broker yet and and yeah, I decided like, you know, I want more control so that's kinda of why I have my own podcast. So right. um so now for me my next challenge is um, because eventually once I get to my other careers, like I said, I work full time, I'm up to school, not doing well. <laughs> i Bio 30, and I okay. hate it. One um, of it's memorization. There's a lot of terms and things to know. Yeah, and it sure is. And since it's online, I'm not doing any physical labs. You don't have to ask and oh, what's this? So, uh, so I'm just kind of doing it fast. Um, so I'm a bit behind. So, and then, so I, I need someone to help me get guests, invent the guests make mm-hmm. sure, because um, I, I know you, I know I know most of my guests so far, mm-hmm. personally, so I know your people, they're professional, they're extremely good at what they do, um, but some people, you know, they can seem good, obviously, and not be good, so then, obviously, I'm terrible at social media, I'm terrible at um, technology. Mm-hmm. Um, I was in the generation where the iPhone was coming out. Um, uh, I just, I don't like social media in a sense, of, mm-hmm to have a physical conversation. Yeah. So uh definitely need someone who can help me edit and produce especially in video. So I'm definitely gonna need someone who maybe can you know me for free for a bit until <laughs> <That's laughs> I start making money. And then also someone who um I guess the same thing like when we mentioned real estate like you have to have the right people right relationships. Like someone who maybe has their own agenda in mind and edits it in a way that's for them. So just a lot of Lot of things that to run one look for, so anyone who's really good, um, give me a shout so I appreciate it. it, it up. Yeah, and sorry, just to go back to it, so that's how it started.
1: And then we would get calls and be like, Hey, we heard you opened up your brokerage, we want to learn all the agents that work in our company. We're, we'll be at uh, including Jeffrey, we'll be at over 10 right away. And we went from two to basically over 10. And that's not calling people to come join us, that's people calling us or the other agents which have zero. Uh, there's no there's nothing in it for them to recruit other people in real estate it just isn't necessary um they're all doing it for us and they're same thing. they're bringing in good quality people i don't want people that have we do check i don't want people that have multiple fines because they screwed up with their clients and they did that stuff that's poorly on us that reflects poorly uh, poorly on the brand that we're trying to create which is a reflection of us Mm -hmm. so anytime we bring someone on board we are essentially it's more beneficial for them with us than for them to pay their small destiny deal fees because they have our, uh, our image working for them. But, you know, I see all these companies out are charging 500, a thousand dollars on the desk fees and massive splits, you know, so them as 10, 20, 30, 40, 50%. We figured let's get a, let's get a group the e-group, let's get a people that are good and then we can make them great. And then if they want to bring some other people, let's rock and roll and help them. Um, it was never meant to be this thing. That's going to be a hundred realtors, like my, my former brokers. Um, But the way it's going, it's going to be more than that. Way more than that. All organic growth. No money spent on advertising. No money not begging people, not saying, oh, I'll get you a good deal. No. These are our fees. This is what you get. It's me and Jeff. Happy to work with you. We like you. You you, you get the option to work with
0: us. Want? Fantastic. If not, that's okay. There's other brokerages to work in. Yeah, I think that's incredible, and I'm happy that your business is picking up. And I think we need more of this. I think a lot of people are realizing that again, their boss has so much control. They're not. They're undervalued, underpaid in most cases. And if you love your job, you love what you do. Hey, awesome. you're your life. But I think I can see maybe in the future. Again, we saw so many of our systems that are so fragile that took out the lockdown to almost like not put the whole world on its ass. Yeah. I can definitely see, hopefully see, I think almost going back to everyone being small business owners or a lot of people being business owners. Now. So, uh, and because one, I think people will be more happy, more free and especially with technology, it's so it's so much easier to have a business. And yeah, I can just see that because right now, but one, again, we're in competition, so many people are over the same employment and just to get a entry-level position, you have to have almost a masters. Plus, like years of experience for uh, uh, a job, frankly, that I think you should be learning. Like, anyone should be able to get, because you can't get, you can't learn anything without experience. But the new require experience feels so like a double
1: edged sword. Yeah, you're, you're screwed either way. And that was the big thing that that, that to me I was out. I couldn't learn the skills I needed to, so I had to align myself with the people that already had it. Right, and it's it's crazy people. People ask me, like you, you in this podcast, why, why are you giving up your time to, 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 to do a podcast? Why are you giving up your time to public speak? I did some public speaking for Grammy Q, and why what's what's in what's in it for you? Well, what's in it for me is very simple. If I can help one person, that person will be better. That person's gonna thrive in that economy, and that person is gonna help other people's businesses thrive, and it's gonna be this like domino effect of everybody thriving together. That's ultimately gonna come back to my business. The way things are right now, almost everybody's in credit card debt. Almost everybody hates for That debt. They're unhappy about something at some point in their life and consistently it's painful and painful and the debt keeps getting worse. If you are in debt for a very long period of time, you need to be working harder to get out of debt. It is very simple. And if your job is not getting you there, you need to start a second, third, fourth business, whatever it takes. Oh, kids, I do that, figure it out. Well, I don't have kids, so I'm not motivated figure it out. I'm single. I'm married. I'm old. I'm young. Figure it out for whatever excuse. Like I look at my story. Yeah. And sometimes I think back about those moments. I don't have it half as bad as speak. There's a guy that's a motivational speaker who has no limbs and he's like crawling on stage. Like it's normal. And that guy is thriving. Yeah. There's Olympic bodybuilders with like one arm or one leg and, and they're evil and they don't have dead and they're successful and you got four of them. Right. For every excuse that's out there of why I can't do something, um, especially in today's you mentioned with technology, so I'm going to kind of throw you under the bus a little bit. You can figure it out. And I think you'll do it. Like for me, I was terrible at technology and you see my videos now, a little bit of time and I figured it out and I mashed some stuff up and then I'd like YouTube certain things and I became almost a pro at editing videos, which I'm still far from it. Um, And sure, I could pay someone to do it, but that's actually my passion to make these videos and I like to make them quirky and do all that kind of stuff and and it actually, yes, it brings me business because someone said, why don't you just pay someone to do it? Well, because it actually brings me joy and completion inside of me when I add that to it and it's almost like a hobby within my business to do it.
0: Okay, Fair enough, yeah. Yeah, well, fair enough, and I think that's the actual point. Someone always has a better or worse than you. It's always easy to compare, like, it's always easy to say that you have a bad. And I think, um, <clears throat> or dog about uh, that and how people reach these huge holes uh, financially. Do you think, like, so I know before universities, um, I've done, I don't know much history about why it changed, how it changed, mm-hmm. but I know before you actually had to afford to go to university. Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying it's good or bad, like that's how it was back then, but now it's instantaneous. Um, You can get a loan for school, Mm like no prosthesis loan to get. Some people use it for travel and and whatnot or use it for whatever, but it's so easy to get these loans. And they're the only loans that do not get erased ever. So they're always on you regardless of bankruptcy. And the government controls it now because, and it's worse in the states because some of those schools are a hundred thousand dollars, I mean, mm-hmm. which is ridiculous, mm-hmm. and, and but it's still pretty costly. in even in Alberta, but with no guarantee of getting any job anymore, so now you're in the hole financially right from the get go. And of course, I believe we need actually more educated people. We need people, we need people who are educated. People can think and work careers and have a certain job, so we can uh, function society. But it's almost detrimental that we allow anyone. To go to university, you get an EHP, but then okay, here's $10,000 a year, here's $20,000 a year for, for room for but then you get some people to travel, but then half the time, majority of the time, people don't even get to degrees or work with the people they have a degree in. Mm-hmm. My, my fear with the education has always been number one
1: when you got to pay to play, right, and I understand how it works. But that's a good way to keep people oppressed by right? putting them into something, and then putting them into debt, and then it first, then it can't even be erased. Like you, if you file for bankruptcy, yeah. so you cannot erase your student loans. It's it's
0: disgusting. And that's something that you use. there's something you we're actually using to try to better ourselves. It wasn't that we went to buy a car that yeah. we couldn't which afford, which you couldn't write off. Isn't that crazy? But it's something we want to get a
1: career to live in a free society, have life. It's so struggle. Yeah. Um, Same thing with tax. I don't know if they changed it, but I remember I was able to include my taxes into the bankruptcy. But if I had a student loan, it wouldn't, like really. So then I think about, okay, so then you have teachers that teach business and you have all these people that teach you how to be successful at something. Well, why aren't they doing that? Why are they those who can't teach, right? I think that's something along those lines, or maybe I made it up, but I feel strongly with that. And I understand, look, I wouldn't be in this building that we're at right now, if an engineer didn't build it that went to school, I'd be a little bit scared, right? Uh, I wouldn't be going to see my doctor if he just kind of was watching uh, house MD or, or those ER drama TV shows. I obviously need those people to go to school, which for sure, but it always, it, I, I always find it troubling. Why aren't people teaching business class when they don't even have a business, yeah. let alone a successful business, what are you teaching? And you know, then I run into the people, well, this is what my teacher told me we'll get for him. But where did that get him? Yeah. What is the real, because learning something in a textbook and, and I'll explain it, um, in, in, in the real world, a lot of things can happen bad. And we're talking about like, you're not sleeping for a week because it happens. Like I had a, I had a deal with a client and, uh, we we helped him find a home, and about three days prior to his uh, uh, prior to his mortgage, he got flagged for for something, and the lender pulled his mortgage approval. I've been doing this for now over ten years. I've never experienced this in my life. Three days prior to him moving out, he couldn't uh, he couldn't uh, get the mortgage. He already put his down payment down. He already got all his stuff down. He's panicking. He's freaking out. I'm getting a call from him every hour. I'm like, man, I'm gonna try to help you the best we can. But there's no playbook for that. There is no let's flip to your real estate book and your business book on chapter five under you are going to be crap for two weeks until this gets resolved it's in section a blah 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 blah. there is no playbook you figure things out as you go and that's how you become good is you need to be putting yourselves in multiple positions um i remember in the uh and it was a couple of uh, senior brokers that even told me um uh, like oh, well, i don't get chargebacks on insurance deals and they're like oh yeah that means you're not doing enough deals right they don't teach you that stuff in business school they don't teach you that stuff in school they teach you what happens if it goes good and maybe what happens when it goes bad. but it's textbook until you physically go to war and you see what happens and i, I think it was uh mike i think it was mike tyson i'm not really into boxing but that guy's beast. And he said something, everybody has a game plan until you get punched in the face. Yeah, pretty much. Right,
0: they don't teach you that at school. They don't. In school it's safe. Mm-hmm. You can learn from your teacher. In you know, the holidays it's a, it's kind of a bad career. I'm not saying it's, but it's less. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it feels different than when you actually try to start a business, but 20 grand or 100 grand, it fails, and now you're struggling to survive. And I think almost, cause I know in certain, certain cases, in certain university uh, courses and programs, last year um, or throughout it you have know, almost like a work it's co-op that's what it's, it's a co-op program and I almost think because I know you we have you have the trades program in senior high school and pew the students in grade twelve get a work um, they make money while they go to school and get some courses and I think in almost I think grade twelve and I think almost in grade twelve now it's almost a structure where it is a mixture of courses or but also a mixture of apprentices. So maybe either beginning of the school year or maybe somewhere in September, October, you write down a top three college trials and maybe you apprentice before you graduate. Yeah. And then you're able to decide versus like for teachers, you go to school for four to five years and on the last year of your schooling, that's when you finally go teach and that's, that's a practicum. yeah. And that's when a lot of... Uh, and then if you hate teaching, that's four years usually so mm-hmm. versus having it before you start. So yeah, I agree. Yeah. And I guess for people, where can people find
1: you? What are your social? Media? Um, I'm on Facebook. Just my name, Joseph Uziak. I'm fortunate enough that I only had a six digit last name. So G-U-Z-I-A-K. And uh, uh, on Instagram, I am at real estate hybrid system. I'm on TikTok as well too. I think it's Yeg realtor or something along those lines, but honestly just Follow me on Instagram. Message me, say what's up, and uh, I'll follow you back, and I'll send you all my other stuff. And I, I, I like to think I post good content. Yeah. I post a lot of real estate, uh, local real estate things that are happening. I post some uh, business development, personal development things, a bunch of stuff about our cats and our own personal family. <laughs> you know, just some basically all the good, all the positive. You know, I, I, I try to stay away from the negative posts, the negative media. There's just so much of that out there. It's not needed. There's so much good and all that's still happening that people should be focusing on. Right? Like you can't control what you can't control. Exactly. So my page is about let's focus
0: on the good stuff and go to the good stuff, right? Yeah, I don't agree, man. It's been, a lot, it's been awesome catching yeah, up be here, man. And uh, definitely, uh, I think you said uh, you went to a back uh, video. Sure. Yeah. Perfect, okay. So we will definitely around to you eventually. And yeah, yeah. it's been a pleasure, man. Thank awesome. you. Awesome brother, for sure.